today on It's Time. When you become a Christian, God says, you're accepted by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It doesn't matter about all of this stuff. I don't need anything to be who God wants me to be. Isn't that great news? Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through the book of Exodus. So turn there in your Bible and follow along with Pastor Mike. When you look at what really goes on in life, you you realize Jesus put his finger on the exact thing where the issue was. This is what God did in the Old Testament concerning Pharaoh. He knew exactly where to touch his life, what he needed. Pharaoh had gods, but they were false gods. They had the sun god, and as I said, the frog god, the, 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 the sun god. They had all these gods. And God knew where to touch and say, see, I'll prove to you they are no gods. And second of all, they will not save you. Again, we think about that in our own lives. We think about the things that we have that we've protected ourselves with. Well, again, I got my friends. I got my money. I got my... And all those things, when you really get in trouble, will not save you. You don't understand, Mike. Man, I got 401ks. I got 801ks. I've got Ks on top of Ks. I got lots of money. Until you go to the doctor and they give you negative prognosis and say you got six months to live. Now what's your money going to do for you? See? That's the problem. Because we have put our hope in something that is passing away. And so God knows where to touch an individual's life to get their attention. I don't really believe God wants to destroy the wicked. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. doesn't say God, God so loved some of the world. He said, for God so loved the world. Whosoever would believe in him. Hey, that's anyone. I like that. That's a good thing about God. God don't have favorites. God to save anybody. And he knows how to do that. Now, again, sometimes we don't realize we need God till we have a problem. Why do we go through trials? I believe sometimes, friends, it's to cause us to realize what we have in ourselves is not capable of meeting the challenge of what's in front of us. In other words, I've got my education. I've got these life experiences Here comes a problem down the line. I can meet that because I've got the intellect. I've got the friends. I've got this. I can meet that challenge. But then God gives us something bigger than us that drives us to our knees. And we cry out to God, God help. And God says, now you're going to know who I am. I like that. You see, God's bigger than your problem. Sometimes I forget that. And God has to remind me. I, I'd love to just say, okay, God, I've arrived. Hey, let, let's put the, the landing gear down. Let's just stay right here. And God says, no, because we've got a lot to do. And God moves us along to accomplish 
what he wants. So verse 9 again, the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not heed you so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. So Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel go out of the land. Now again, this is up till the ninth plague. Now God tells the children of Israel what he's about to do, and now we find chapter 12. Now, again, when you, when you read Hebrew, and this is one of the things that you'll find in Genesis, the creation story, uh, this is typical Hebrew writing, and here's how it works. Hey, yesterday we went to the store. When we got up in the morning, we put our clothes on and ate breakfast, and then we got in our car and we drove by the park The kids swang on the swings, and then we made our way down to the mall, and then we went into the store. Oh, so you went to the store twice, the day before and today? No. The Hebrew writing is that they will make a statement and then go back in and fill in the details. This is what happens in Genesis 1-1, and then subsequently when you get into Genesis 1-2, 1-3, you get in the details of what he did. Now, again, as we just read, it says the firstborn, if you go back to chapter 11, verse 5, and all the firstborn of the land of Egypt shall die. This is what's going to happen. Now, chapter 12 brings us in how God's going to do it. You know, really, I know it's kind of funny, but some people say, well, that's very poetic writing. But you know what? It's our lives, man. You you see, God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to do all those things. I'm going to take, I'm going to do all those things for you. And then as we live our life, God fills in the details. It's the same thing. God has already declared we are more than conquerors through Christ who saved us. We already know that. But then God comes along in the subsequent chapters, filling in and saying, this is how I'm going to do it. Now, first of all, sometimes we run completely out of our own resource, but that drives us to the, to the cross, the supplier, Jesus Christ, the supplier of all of our needs. And we forget that sometimes. So letting God be God as we do this. Now, as we just briefly look at this, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, And by the way, God will speak to you wherever you are, whether you're in the most pagan land in the world or whether you're there in church on Sunday morning. This month shall be the beginning of months, and it shall be the first month of the year for you. Now, the first of a month, this is Passover. This is in April, okay? But somebody might say, well, it says this is going to be the beginning of the year for you. What about Festival of Trumpets and and Yom Kippur and, and the Jewish New Year that's in September, October? Well, see, that's kind of the... You have the spiritual calendar of the Passovers, and then you have the kind of the rest of the country, the non-spiritual, it's the way they did it. So actually they had two calendars, a secular calendar and a religious calendar. This is speaking about the religious calendar here. 
And speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth day of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. One lamb, one household, okay? And the household is too small for the lamb. Let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons, according to each man's need, you shall make a count for the lamb. So in other words, if you can't do it, then you borrow from your neighbor. It's kind of called forced friendship. Come over for dinner tonight. You're going to do this. Now again, this gets down. And notice... The, the Bible says that Jesus was the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. So you, you look at this and you realize there's a lot of parallels here. And we're going to see that more and more as we read on. It says, um, verse 5, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male from the first year, that you may take it either from the sheep or from the goats. It needs to be without Spot or wrinkle. It needs to be without blemish, is what he says. Now, it's interesting, when Jesus came in to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, and they laid the palm branches down, blessed is he has come to the name of the Lord, Hosanna, Hosanna. We always celebrate Palm Sunday. And then the following week is when they crucified him. That week, the Sanhedrin grilled Jesus every single way they could, looking for a flaw in him, just as the children of Israel initially were to inspect the very best for their flock. In other words, they took the junk to the dump, they gave the best to God, okay? Well, they were examining Jesus. Remember, they they, they challenged him in every way. Uh, they said, should we pay taxes or not? And Jesus said, give me a coin. He holds, whose face is on the coin? Caesar's. Then give to what Caesar's is Caesar and give to God what is God. Man, I'll tell you, every way they tried to find fault with Jesus, it didn't work. They challenged him politically. They challenged him scripturally. They challenged him according to Levitical law. They did all those things trying to find fault with Jesus. While on the other side of town, preparing for Passover, you had all these priests examining all these flocks of sheep for spots and for blemish and all these things. So he says here, you don't want to give anything that's not right to God. Verse six, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. So at sunset, all these lambs were to be slain. Uh, verse 7. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. So wherever the the... Lamb is going to be eaten. You take the blood of that and use a hyssop, which is like a piece of sagebrush, and you dip it in the blood and you put it on the sides and on top. Notice it does not say on the threshold. You know, it's interesting when you get married. Uh, the, a customary thing is to pick your bride up and carry her across the threshold. You probably heard about that. But not here with the blood. Why? Because to trample the blood of Christ underfoot is wrong. 
but on the sides and on the top, the same principal places that Jesus bled for us, his hands, the crown of thorns on his head. And so it says, and it says that then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, boiled at all in water, but roasted, barbecued, its head with its legs and its entrails. I mean, you, you just stick the stick through the lamb and turn it. Well, here, what's really weird is this. Why did God do this? In fact, they were to eat all of it, as we'll read on here. Well, why is that? Because they were getting ready to get expelled out of Egypt. This was going to be one of the last meals that they had for a little bit. And so literally, they were going to stuff themselves. Now, we always hear about the children of Israel leaving Egypt. We're very much aware of that. After the 10th plague, all the firstborn is dead. Pharaoh is heart-stricken, heartbroken. He kicks Israel out. But there's something interesting that a lot of people miss. Not only did some million plus Israelites leave Egypt, but some million lambs inside of them left Egypt as well. You see, the Bible talks about Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, God's inside of you. And what an interesting picture that Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, is in us as we go into the promised land. But that's the way God works. Friends, you're not in your Christian experience alone. This is one of the things that God says that he will do, that he will come into you. Now again, something else. Don't boil it. Don't eat it raw. Barbecue it. I just wonder what that night smelt like in, it, in, in the land of Goshen there in Egypt that very last night. You'd go outside. I don't know how many people like a good smelling barbecue. They're good. And to walk out and smell all that barbecued lamb going, ooh, I feel a year old coming on. No, I mean, they walked outside and they smelled all this barbecue going on. What does this mean? You see, people in Egypt didn't understand the things of God. Today, the people of the world don't understand the things of God. They don't understand there's a paradigm shift coming in the world. It's called the tribulation period. What is restraining that and the Antichrist from coming to power right now is real simple. It's you. You see, there's enough Christians right now that if a great man was to arise on the world scene with the answers to COVID and the answers to the financial crisis of the world and the famine and all the wars and all the problems in the Middle East, all these things, the reason why he hasn't made his appearance is because that which is restraining, which is you, will continue to restrain until he, speaking of you, the Holy Spirit in you, is taken out of the way. Then the Antichrist can come to power. There won't be people like any one of you saying, that's not, that's not the Christ, that's the Antichrist. Because the believers are gone. Friends, we are on a, we're on the border 
of a big, big change. Just like it was with Pharaoh, just like it was in the 10th plague, I believe there is a night coming. And the Bible tells us, work because it's going to change. Be about your daddy's business. It's going to bless you and those around you. And as it says here, and thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist and sandals on your feet. That's weird. He's saying, eat your dinner with your clothes on. Why? Because get ready to move. Get ready to move. You see, loins girded, ready to go. That's what this is all about. They were to eat the lamb. Last good meal they're going to have for a little bit. Because the next day, they were on their way to the promised land. And so it says here that... um, You shall let none of it remain until morning. What remains of it till morning, you shall burn with fire and you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on your houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. The plague shall not come upon you, destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be in your memorial and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast of an everlasting ordinance. Interesting, God memorialized that. Stop here today because I believe, again, this is really important. God never wants us to forget what he did for us. Not so much this morning for non-believers, but for us as Christians. Don't forget that. Everywhere you go, God goes with you. I like that. I'm never alone. People in the world are alone. And sometimes if I don't remind myself, like coming together on a Sunday morning or reading my Bible on my own or listening to Christian radio or something else that reminds me of the greatness of God, I can begin to believe the lie of the devil saying, you're alone, you're in this all by yourselves. Nobody loves you, everybody hates you, bet you go eat some worms. Because that's what the devil does. He's a liar. This morning, if you're not a Christian, I I want to tell you something. My heart breaks for you for a couple of reasons. First, you're lost and dead in your sins. That's really bad. But second of all, you are complete prey to the enemy. You have no one that protects you. No one protects you. And I want to encourage you this morning. Jesus died for you as well as any person that's been a Christian for 50 years. And the same thing that God will do for that person, he'll do for you to take away your sins and to restore the communication to God where your life means something in eternity. I don't want God to look at me on judgment day saying, well, you made it. Even as a Christian. I want God to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you for obeying me. I know I'm the one that motivated you to do all those things, but I'm going to reward you as if you're the one that did it. That's good economics, friends. That's the way God works. So, do you want your life to mean something in eternity? Or just waste it away and be punished 
eternally for the things wrong. Well, the book of Jude says that there is an eternal punishment. I know there's a lot of religions today, even found within the Christian realm, that don't believe that hell's eternal, that doesn't believe that that hell's a place of punishment. It's simply because they won't read the Bible. But if you read the book of Jude, it very clearly talks about a place of eternal punishment. I don't want to see one person on this earth go there, not even my worst enemy. Because I realize that there's no way out. But for a person that's alive today that can hear this message, God loves you, died on the cross for you, took your place. He became our sin and died. Payment made in full. I like that. Which makes you a child of God. Wow. You mean I'm no longer a nobody? No, I'm a somebody. So are you. God made you in his image. Never forget that. And to be about your daddy's business because he loves you. You see, if we forget that, we'll believe the lie of the world. And and, and how does the devil do it? Hey, you're a nobody out there unless you wash your teeth with shiny bright. Okay, I'll run down and get some shiny bright and I'll be a somebody. Oh, no, that doesn't work. No, you're you're nobody unless you drive this kind of thing or wear these kind of clothes. When you become a Christian, God says, you're accepted by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It doesn't matter about all of stuff. I don't need anything to be who God wants me to be. Isn't that great news? You're set free from the manipulation of the world and of the devil. So see... Our identity is found in him. He is who tells me who I am. And when I realize that, and then the blessing is to be around a bunch of other Christians who realize they get their identity from God. It doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank, what kind of car you drive. It's all going to burn, baby. There's no U-Hauls behind hearses. Hey, he's dead, and the casket is there in, in in the grave, and they're getting ready to lower it down to the ground. Okay, bring them. Eh, eh, eh. They start dumping stereos and TVs and Rolex watches into the. No. Doesn't make any difference. One life will soon be be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Always remember that. This morning, if you're not a Christian, I want to invite you to accept Christ as your Savior. It's the most important thing you can do. And you just pray and you say, Lord. This is it. Sign the title lead of my life over to you. You People say, how can just a prayer make that difference? And I use this illustration so often. Just the same way you sign the title deed of your house over, and tonight you won't live in that house you just signed your deed over to. Or the car that you have, you sign the, the pink slip over, it's not your car anymore. That's just a signature on a piece of paper. An oral contract in the Bible meant everything. And when you say, Lord, you take my life, God says, I'll take it. I'll do something with you you won't believe. See, and God begins his restorative process in our life. God wants to restore you, fix you, bless you. Let him do that. Pharaoh didn't understand that. Didn't understand the real God. Who is this God? He said to Moses, God showed him. And God wants to show us, as Christians, as well as people that don't know him, 
how great he is. This morning, if you need to pray and get right with God, we're going to pray right now. And you can ask Christ to come into your life. Forgive your sins. Repent of the foolish way you have lived to define your life. That's what we repent from, is think of the goofy ways that we define our life. And God says, okay, from now on, I'm going to define your life. Wow. You ready for that? Ready to be free from the manipulation, the puppet strings of the devil in your life? Saying, well, if you're really going to be a somebody, you got to do this. God says, you are somebody right now in me. If you want to get right with God, let's pray right now. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me and rose from the dead to give me life eternal. I repent of the foolish ways that I have lived to be something. And so now, Make me who you want me to be. Write my name in your book of life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me, God, from on high. And help me be about your business every single day. And thank you for eternal life in Jesus' name. Amen. You prayed that welcome to God's family. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time.